Good morning, Nanaimo. <laughs> Good morning. I hope I said that correctly. <laughs> um, but we are so, so, so blessed to be with you guys this morning. And um, honestly, for us, any place we go to, um, we take it seriously and we prayerfully ask God what He's wanting to deposit in and through the life of the, uh, this church. Yeah. And I believe you guys are... Um, in an incredible, incredible season. You have incredible pastors. We've been friends with them for over 20 years and um, they're just amazing friends to us and they've placed incredible deposit in our church back in Sydney. And yes. so it's just amazing to be here for the very first time and to see your beautiful faces. So if you hear a twang in my accent, it's because my background is Sri Lankan. I was born in Sri Lanka and I came to Australia when I was um, 14, turning 15, and I met my handsome man when I was 17, and got married at 20, and had our first child at 21. We have four boys and one girl, and I'm about to show you some pictures. Um, the first picture, if it goes up, this is our family. We have Leon is our oldest, our second oldest is Josiah and our third oldest is Ethan, fourth oldest is Ezekiel, and our only girl is Evangeline, youngest, youngest actually, and our only girl. <laughs> so there's two other photos, if I could have that up, please. Um, this is our second son who got married literally three months ago. He's in the life of our church. He's an incredible leader. He serves. And the next photo is of our oldest son, Leon. He's on the pastoral team with us. He got married a year and a half ago. So for us, it's absolutely incredible to do life with our kids. Um, I'm a mom who contends to keep it together and hold it together and to run towards God with our family. So it's absolutely we love doing life with them. So just such a blessing. I just wanted to give you a background to us. Uh, we've been leading our church where we live in Sydney for the last 28, 28 29 years. I will show you all the gray hair underneath the colored hair. <laughs> um, but it's been an absolute privilege to lead our church. And I'm just, just, we're just humbled and amazed at what God is doing all around the world. So we're so blessed. I um, just want to take this opportunity to pray for Mike and Debs at the moment, you know, because as you know, that, you know, Debs' mom is recovering. She's doing much better, better than she was. And we've been keeping tabs and SMSing and calling. So just could we take a moment to pray for them because we adore them so much. Father, we just thank you for yes, Mike and Deb, Lord God. Thank you for Deborah's mom, Lord Jesus. Father, we just thank you, thank you for ta your tangible anointing yes. reaching into that room, Lord God, and bringing healing into Deb's mom's uh, body. And Father, we call those things that are not as though they were, Lord God. Father, we pray a blessing. Father, we yes, thank Lord. you for resurrection life permeating 
permeating her body, Lord God. Right now, even as we are praying as a church, we thank you for resurrection life permeating her body, Lord God. Bringing life to the places that are dead, Lord God. Father, I just thank you. We just thank you as a church right now. Thank you for your tangible presence. Thank you for your anointing breaking in. Even as Mike and Deb are ministering this morning as well, we thank you for what you're doing in and through their lives, Lord God. We thank you for Oceanside Church, Lord God. Father, thank you for this incredible church. Father, thank you that you're wanting to break in and break Mm. out. Thank you for supernatural tangibility right now in the midst. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts to hear from heaven, Lord God, that we would lean in and hear what you have for us, Lord God. Father, you are an incredible God in spite of our circumstances. Thank you that your word declares that you are for us and not against us, that you are with us every step of the way, no matter what we face. So Father, we just thank you for this morning. Come breathe life. Thank you for walking amongst us. Thank you for continuing to walk in and through our lives this morning, God. Speak, Lord. Speak. We want to hear from heaven this Mm. morning. Speak, we say, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen Amen and amen. amen. Thank you, darling. Awesome. Wonderful. It really is good to be with you guys. And um, you're blessed to have Mike and Debbie as your lead pastors. And you've got an amazing eldership team as well. Um, We enjoyed worshiping God together as well. Your worship is amazing. And, and um, your island is beautiful. This is our first time in Canada. So we're just enjoying everything, taking in the sights and the beautiful uh, views. Just beautiful. And I know, I'm, I'm telling you what you already know. I know that. You said, tell us something we don't know. <laughs> um, but I just want, I want you to know that you are blessed to have Mike and Debbie. Like, you know, sometimes we, um, we take for granted what we have. And so just, you know, keep, keep, keep praying for them and um, they'll, um, I'm sure they'll be home really soon. And uh, I want to I share a word that I feel can deposit in the life of, of any church. Um, it's something that we've, be, we've been striving to put into our hearts as a church and a church people. I do believe it will it, help every single one of us. And um, it, it, it's a word that is about leading people. It's basically how to shepherd people or you can say how to lead people. Because when you say shepherd, a lot of times we just think, oh, that must be to do with the church. But it, leading people means everyday life. So you're a marketplace leader. If you're an employee, you can use these, uh, the ways of God, the ways of Jesus, because we're going to look at the way Jesus shepherds us is the way God wants us to shepherd others. The way Jesus himself leads us and shepherds us is how he wants us to shepherd others. And who knows that we're all priests. The Bible says that we're all the priesthood of all believers. It's very clear teaching in the Bible that every single one of us can lead others, shepherd others, care for others, uh, mentor others. We're called to disciple others, aren't we? So if you're a father or a mother, you can actually put these things into place with your children. I, I, I believe we've been using some of this from the Word of God on how to uh, lead uh, our children into adulthood and how to grow them into um, having a love relationship with Jesus. So this will affect every one of us. So don't write it off going, oh, that must be due with a church leader. No, I'm talking about marketplace leader. If you're an entrepreneur, you run a massive company, you've got a lot of employees, these, oh, I don't want to call them principles because I believe they're ways. They're the ways of God. And then each person and each people group will use the methods differently. 
So you find your own method, you, you find your own style, you find the way, those ways and methods you'll do your own way. But um, let's get into the Word. If you've got your Bibles, John chapter 10, we're going to find how Jesus leads us. He wants us to lead others. And this has helped us so much to help pastor and lead people. We're going to read it in verse, um, chapter 10, verse 1 to 3 first. It says here, Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. So we have to enter the sheepfold through the door and not another way. If we enter another way, well, that means we're actually thieves and robbers, Jesus said. But he who enters the sheepfold sorry, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. That to me tells me when you enter through the right access, you have true, authentic, legitimate access to the sheep. We have to enter through the door. And who knows who the door is? Jesus says in verse 9, very clearly, you can read in your Bibles, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So Jesus declares he's the door. And then he also says, we've got to, work, we've got to go through Jesus to have true, authentic, legitimate. I like to use that word legitimate because we want to be anointed by God to lead. We want to be legitimate leaders by God, authentic, real leaders by God. This is, a, this is what give us, gives us true access, where the Father's touching our hearts or anointing us to actually lead people, and that's through Jesus. So the number one point or the number one way that we are going to be able to shepherd and lead others is to have an intimate I wrote down passionate, on fire, close, intimate relationship with Jesus. Now, obviously, you can't lead others if you didn't get born again in, in the ways of God. I'm talking about in the things of God, in the kingdom of God. So Jesus is the, the doorway into the kingdom. We've got, to, we've got to have a relationship with Him. There's no other way to heaven except through Jesus. Jesus said that. So when you get born again, you have true, authentic access to lead God's people. So obviously, you can use some of these ways on how to lead in the marketplace. But the closer you are to God, the more anointed you'll be to lead people. That's what I'm trying to say. So I know I've been, I've been leading, uh, Christine and I have been leading the church for pretty much 28 something years, as we said earlier. And I know I've been, there have been times where I've been really, really close to the Lord, and there have been times I've allowed myself to slip away. Times I've allowed myself to get dry a little bit, or just distracted to be busy. You can get so busy doing ministry, they don't spend time with the one you're supposed to be receiving the ministry from. Like you, you don't spend time with the Lord, and He's the one who fills us to be able to give real life. So we could be doing the work of God and not spending time with the, the Lord of the work. So we need to spend time with Him because He truly gives us what we need to help others. So like I said earlier, there have been times where I have um, been a little bit dry and running on empty. You know, running on empty is not a nice feeling. Like you've you, you got no, nothing in your tank, but you've still got to give out. And it's no good to give out. I, I reckon the recipe for burnout is to basically give out more than you put back in. That's all it is. And the enemy doesn't care how long it takes. He, he'll, he's patient. He'll take 10 years if he has to, to wear you out if you give out more than you put in. If you, if you withdraw from your bank account more than you deposit, you're going to have deficit. That's, right. That's the same with life, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. If we're pouring out more than we're putting in, we'll end up having deficit. And if you have deficit for a long period of time, you'll end up burning out and you just you won't cope. So it's our responsibility as leaders, as believers, our responsibility to maintain our relationship with the Lord. Now, you can have the greatest sports car, 
um, let's say a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, and it, it's got an amazing, let's say a 12-cylinder motor underneath it, if you're a car lover, and, and it, it, it revs. I mean, it can go. It's a magnificent machine, amazing. But you know what? If you don't maintain it, if you don't put petrol in it, let's say just the petrol. I mean, you've got to put oil in it. You've got to, uh, you've got to make sure you service it and that. But if you don't put petrol in it, eventually, it doesn't matter how magnificent it is. Because God created us in His image. We're magnificent in, our, in the way God created us. But if we don't put the Holy Spirit in us, we run out of petrol, that, that magnificent machine will come to a halt. You know, and, and we don't want to do that. We've got to make sure we have authentic authentic authority to connect with people and love people through God's eyes, through God's love. Now, one time I was in India and uh, we finished a massive sort of outdoor, uh, like an outreach type of crusade where you're sharing the love of Jesus and the gospel and praying for people. It was a long night. We probably finished around 12 o'clock. Then we sat down and, and they were cooking curry late at night to feed us, or everyone that did all the work. And so we, we ate about 12, 31 o'clock in the morning and we started to head off to, it was in the villages, so it was out, out, out back. And so we had to go from one village to another village. And in between villages in India, it's pitch black. It's dark. You know, there's nothing out there. And so we're in a motorbike. I'm on the back of the motorbike, and he's riding. You know, you can see where the story's going to go. I think you can. But he's riding the motorbike. I'm holding on. And we're tired. I just want you to know, we were so tired. All I wanted to go is home and just hit the bed, you know, and go to sleep. And so anyway, he runs out of petrol in the middle of nowhere. So here we are, have to get out, and he's pushing the bike, and we're walking in the middle of nowhere from one village to another village, pushing. And, and it's, a, it's a beautiful picture. God reminded me, it's a beautiful picture of some of us pushing our, our life. We get out, and we're just pushing, and we're tired, we're drained. And here we are pushing with all our strength, all our energy, all our effort, when you could be just cruising, if it was maintained. Cruising with the grace of God, the love of God, the Word of God, the presence of God, the Spirit of God. That's how He wants us to do life. He wants to make sure we stay full. It's the only way really we have true, authentic access to God's people. That's when God is really anointing me. He's speaking through, through uh, we're having an intimate love relationship with Him. Um, uh, you know, there are times where we, we're just not in that right place and we don't have that access to people the way we should. I remember one time there was a, a marriage, um, went through a massive struggle, strain. They were really upset with each other. They were working together as well. So they obviously, you know, you do life together, you live together, but they're working full time together all the time. They had a massive argument, massive fight. She felt so emotionally drained and really angry with one another, really upset. So they asked for our help and, and, and they were just talking about the whole issues and everything. And, and I, you know, we're trying to help the best way we knew how. And then the next night, that, after that time of ministry to them, I had a dream and God just dropped something in my spirit somehow that she hadn't forgiven him. He was asking for forgiveness. He was apologizing for the way he behaved, the way he was getting angry in front of people and all that, treating her really harshly. And the Lord said, she hasn't forgiven. And that's all I said. I remember saying to her, you know, God, I think I told her that God gave me a dream and explained to me that you actually haven't forgiven. As soon as I said that, she cried, broke down crying and restored. And all I can, I remember thinking, I could have so missed that. I could have so missed, if I wasn't close enough to the Lord, where maybe God could give me a dream that gave me that Lord a little word, a word of insight that helped them. 
and I could have missed something, and, you know, and it could have gone off a whole new tantrum. It could have, gone off, could, have, could have gone from bad to worse. And sometimes we're in that right place with God. He gives you the sensitivity of knowing where people are at, and you help them exactly where they're at. You can nip things at, 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 the, at the beginning of the little plant of criticism. The enemy wants to plant the little seed of criticism. And you, you can pick it up and you can, you can hit that before it becomes a tree with a lot of fruit of criticism. And, and you become negative about life. And before you know it, you're taken out by a root of bitterness, as Hebrew says. So we, we, we need to be close to the Lord. All right, that's number one. Number two, this is the way the Lord leads us. It's found in verse three. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So he calls his own sheep by name. And in verse 14, it also says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. So this one here basically is, you got to know your sheep by name. It's basically get to know the people you're leading. To know someone by name means you know their character. The name represents their identity, their character, who they really are. If you know me by name, it speaks that you know me more intimately than just, like, just like, yeah, I know that guy, I sort of met him once, but you know them by name. And, and Jesus said also that I know my sheep. The word in the, Hebrew, uh, in the Greek is ginosko. It like means intimate knowledge. It's, it's to know deeply. So I know that the, even the church world in the past has taught things like if you're going to lead people, lead from a distance. Don't let them into your inner world and, and don't let them know you personally if you're going to have influence over them. And that, that's, to me, that's all wrong because Jesus leads us because he knows us. Think about how Jesus intimately knows you. He knows your weaknesses, your strength. He knows your personality. He knows your abilities. He just knows everything about you. He knows your likes, your desires, your ambitions. He knows you intimately and he knows how to speak to you in a way that you can hear him. Whenever I'm in a place where, God, I need to hear your voice and I feel like I, don't, I, I lose faith in my ability to hear his voice and I feel like I, I don't, I'm not hearing you, God, I remind myself in the ability of the shepherd's ability to speak to me in a way that I can hear him. I rely on his ability. He, he's the one that's the Lord God. He knows how to speak to me in a way that I can hear him. I'm relying on his faith and his ability to speak to me, not on my ability to hear him. I've got to trust that, God, you know me. You know how to speak to me. As long as I stay open. But that's how we've got to know other people. We've got to get to know them. It's actually, you've got to do life together. It's hard to know people until you do life together. Have them in your home for dinner. They have, you know, and then you open the door first. You know, put on a meal, have them over. Go out for lunch, go out for coffee, get to know them. When you invite them over your home for dinner or, or a barbecue, they'll end up inviting you over their home. You get to know each other. You know how they live. You see how they, how they conduct themselves at home. You, 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 just, you, you pick up things. And then you, in love, can speak into their life to help them. I believe this is so powerful. I remember one time, it's hard to get to know people um, just on Sunday because I think life is about everything. And so one person was showing me, I suppose, his spiritual side. You know, he was showing me what he wanted me to see him. You know, one of our one of our uh, believers in our church. And, and one time we went on a mission trip to India. And when we went doing life together every day, all of a sudden, I remember, and this may be, it's nothing bad. It's just that we, we get insight on how we can help people. And he was stressing out over the baggage could go somewhere else to another city. Just fearful and worried and, and anxiety was hitting him and everything. I'm thinking, wow, I didn't know that you're struggling in those areas. Like, you know, you just get to know people. 
by doing life together. It helps you. I believe it gives you the ability to know how to lead people. You can't lead people blindly. You've got to get to know them. This helps, I'm telling you, in business. It helps as family. We've got five children. They're completely different to each other. They think different. They process thoughts differently. They are motivated differently. I've got to get to know my children, which we have over the years. You get to know them. The only, time, the only way you can get to know your children, really, is to really spend time with them. When I have, we didn't think we were going to have a big family. We didn't like, plan, let's have a big family. Uh, we just, I think we just kept, because we had three boys, you know, two boys and three boys, then we just wanted that girl. You can see the motivation. So we, let's try again. Yeah, we've got four boys. And my wife was gutsy enough to say, honey, would you, do you want to try again? And being a man, I go, yes, I'd love to try again for a girl. I wanted my daughter. I know what you're thinking, but I wanted my daughter. And we, and we thank God, got a, we got the girl. And we had a, now we've got a big family. But my heart was, God, I hope as a father I can give it all that I can to my kids. You have five kids. You know, you know what I'm saying? Is there enough of me, enough of love in me, enough of time in me, enough of capacity in me to actually love all of them the way they need me to love them? And so it means you have to spend time with them, quality time. You get to know your kids so well that you know you speak to them differently. You use different methods. You use different um, motivations. Same with an eldership team. You, you know, the eldership team, every eldership team, if they're a strong eldership team, they're going to be different to each other. Our eldership team, we have six, six couples, they are completely different to each other. So different. And that's what makes us strong. We've got strengths on some areas and strengths on other areas that are completely different to each other. And so I've got to teach them how to walk in unity. We're, we're, we're here for one purpose. And I've got to know how they all think. They all think differently. They're motivated differently. And I get to know them. I, I, I spend time with them. I can lead them differently because I know them more intimately. Does that make sense? It's really, really important to get to know the people you, you, you're leading. I remember in Australia, I don't know what it's like in Canada. It's Maybe in some of the big major cities is like that. But we live in Sydney. It's probably one of the busiest cities and, and a, what a, a, a very um, driven city. Anyway, so some people are, and one person, this particular person was a lot, a lot of facade of success. Outwardly, he looked like really successful, very wealthy, very rich, a banker, and a nice Mercedes or something, a big home in a nice affluent, affluent area. You know, just, just he, he held himself like, I'm successful. I've got everything together. So, so in my early years, I was intimidated. It's like, can I really leave this guy? Because I don't know him, see? I can see this outward side of him, and he shows himself like he's got everything together. He's very successful. And I spent some time with him. I get to know him. His marriage is on the brink of divorce. It was on the rocks. He starts to break down weeping, crying about he wants to keep his wife. He wants to, doesn't want to lose his children. And he's fighting for his marriage. He's crying. So I share the gospel to him at a park area. We're just sitting at a park and sharing Jesus to him. He's crying because of what Jesus did for him. And, and just broken. And it made me realize that once I get to know him, I thought, I actually can lead this guy. Does that make sense? Because we've got to know the real person. And I believe it's, it's key on how to lead in every sphere of life. Every sphere. No matter what you've you're, you're, got your hands on. If you're a marketplace leader, this works in every area. So number three, it's found in John chapter 10 verse 4. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And in verse 14, it's the other side of this. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and, my, and, and I am known by my own. 
So this one is basically, you've got to let the sheep know you now. You need to, the sheep need to know the shepherd. What do you say? Uh, my sheep hear my voice. They know me. So this is us now, because we're leading them, we let them into our world. We let them into our heart. And everyone's going to do this completely different, aren't they? You're going you're to do this your own way. But you have to, to some degree, if you're going to really lead them, you can't lead them from afar. And, and, and obviously this changes. As a church grows, a shepherd can't lead, know, know everyone intimately and, and the people can't know him intimately. Then the way I believe that happens is, uh, for example, Mike needs to know the eldership really closely and they need to know him really closely. Does that make sense? And so you, I, I can't possibly know everyone if the church is over 200 people. So it's just, it's, you'll either kill the person or their marriage will break up or they'll have a, a health breakdown because they're trying to know everyone intimately. So we're talking about being sensitive as, as, you, as you grow in the different stages of life. But if you're leading a, a core group, same with a, a marketplace leader. If you're leading a, an entrepreneur company, business, you need to have a core team around you that you know really well and they do the same, what you do with them and, and how they know you, they do the same with the leadership core that they lead. I believe this is the way Jesus did it. He had the three, remember? Peter, James, and John. And yet John seemed like he had an even more intimate relationship before, yeah. before Peter, James, and John because he, he, he leaned his head on Jesus' chest. He would ask things of him. There's Peter, James, and John that would see miracles that the others were left outside the, the room. And he'd take Peter, James, and John up to Mountain of Transfiguration and the other, where were the others? They, just, they were more hungry. They were more open. They were more teachable. He would work with them more than the 12. And then he's got the 12 that he would do life with them, travel together, eat together, go up in the mountains together, pray together. They did all that life together. And then he's got the 70. And he taught them differently than he did with the 12. Had a different relationship with the 70 than, than he did with the 12. And then he's got the crowd. So... It's important that we get to let the people that we're leading to know us. So I, I did this with our children, and yes, I've got to know them, but I also want them to know me. And there were times where the Lord would say things like, Leo, um, share to them what happened, like a testimony, or you, you, you witness to somebody. Let them know that was valuable to me. I want them to know a soul's valuable to God and valuable to me. So I let them know how I felt about that, how it made me feel. And if I led them to Jesus, how I made me feel. All these little things while they're young. Well, they're very, very young. We, we wait until they get old and we say, oh, I better get them. No, we, right through when they're four, when they're five, when they're six, when they're seven, right through, you, you, you let them know. You, if you pray for someone, they got healed. Let them know what it makes you feel. You know, it's true of, of, of even the hardships we face. Let them know why you're strong in that if you're strong in it, or let them know why you're a little bit down if you're, if you're a little bit discouraged. Let them into your heart. See, my... my um, my dad died instantly at the age of 55, just a heart attack gone before I started the church. But my mum, at the age of 58, she suffered with bone cancer, and we saw her suffer for two years. And it was very hard to watch my mum suffer that way. It was hard to lose my dad instantly. It was like, not, you can't say which one was harder. But when my mum suffered that way, I can honestly say to you, I never asked God once, God, why did you let her suffer? Because I understand who God is. I have a, a strong theology of who God is, and I know God has no sickness. He's got no disease to put on anybody, and God didn't want my mum to die of cancer. So I just know that about my father. I just know. So I never asked the question. I didn't have to. And I remained strong through it, even though it was hard to watch my mum go through that. You following what I'm saying? So I need to share how I see that. What made me strong in that area? Because I don't believe God has any sickness to give people. 
And so people, they, they, they get to know you too. They get to know how you know the Father by opening up your heart, your world, your, your thoughts. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be transparent. You have to be wise on how you're transparent. You, know, and you have to be wise on how you're vulnerable. I hope this is making sense because I believe this is very powerful and it will change the way we shepherd. This church has to get to a, a level now that we're all shepherding people. You can't just expect the elders to do all the shepherding. Oh, no, that's why we, we pay the tithes and give offerings to them to do it. No, God never instructed that. God taught in Ephesians chapter 4, pastors, prophets, evangelists, apostles, teachers, a five-fold ministry uh, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So a pastor's real role is to teach others to shepherd others. If you're expecting the pastor to do all the shepherding, then you won't, you, most pastors, will, the capacity will be 50 people, 100 people maybe, if they're a bit larger capacity. So this is very vital that you, you've, you see it through the eyes of the Father. Say, okay, God, you're teaching us how to shepherd one another. Every single one of us. If you're a believer, if you've been saved for more than one week, you can help someone else. I believe that with all my heart. Jesus says that the Great Commission was, go and baptize them in the name of my Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all things that I've commanded you. That's it. Your, your responsibility, my responsibility is to teach others to command everything that God has shown me. So if I got baptized in water, I must have had a revelation of that so I can lead someone into that. If I got saved, I must have had a revelation that Jesus died on the cross. I can lead someone into that. If I learned about generosity and learned about giving, then I can teach others about that. You following? Anything that God has shown you, you can lead others into that. You don't have to wait till you're qualified. Wait until I do four years of five years of Bible college and then I can do it. No, you do what you have with what God has given you. Amen? Amen. All right. Number four is found in verse three and four. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Who leads them out? The shepherd leads them out. The shepherd leads. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. Who goes before him? The shepherd goes before them. And the sheep follow him for he, they know his voice. So basically this one here is that we lead by example. Every one of us are to lead others by example. You can't teach others to do something that you don't do. You can't teach others and bring them into a freedom that you don't have. If you're not free in a particular area, you're not going to be able to bring others into that freedom. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I believe that this is the nature of the Lord himself. He, the reason why we can become more like Jesus, because that's the reality of who Jesus is. God is real and his nature is real. So I can become more like him because he made us in his image. I believe God is more real than us. The reality of God, God is more real than this physical world. This physical world was made by the spiritual and the things that are unseen. So we're becoming more like Jesus because why am I becoming more like love? Because Jesus is love. He actually is, and he's living in that love, that reality of that love of God so we can become more like him. Let me explain it this way. A worship leader is probably the greatest example. I, I like this example because you can have the greatest voice. You can have the, you can have the greatest skill on the guitar. And you can be as good as Beyonce or, or Whitney Houston. You can have the greatest voice that astounds people. But if you don't know the presence of God, if you've never been in the presence of God and you haven't experienced God's presence to the depths of who He is, you're not taking anyone anywhere. You might entertain, you might go, wow, people. You might go, oh, you might goosebumps, you might love it, wow. But you didn't take Him into the presence if you haven't been in the presence. 
Does that make sense? And that's true of us. We can't lead people into maturity if we're not walking in maturity. So that to me encourages me as a leader. I've got to stay teachable. I've got to make sure I keep growing. If I don't grow anymore, if I, if I hit a ceiling and I just stop and I, my growth is stunted and I just don't grow anymore, I believe we put a ceiling on people. We've got to constantly be growing. Every single one of us, even if you've been a Christian for 40 years, 50 years. To be honest with us, I think the more we walked with Jesus and are walking with Jesus, the teachable we should be. The more humble we should be and the more hungry we should be. The more thirsty we should be for who He is. Because we're, we're attaining our, our focus, our goal is Jesus. We want to be more like Him. It's not attaining a certain knowledge and that I've got this knowledge now, I've, I've arrived. I know what to do now in ministry. Hallelujah. I've been in the ministry for such a long time. I know everything to do. I mean, that's ridiculous. We're talking about knowing Jesus. And I want to be more hungry today than I was yesterday. I really do. And it's not true of my life all the time, but sometimes I feel like I've lost that hunger. I have to stir myself back up. So why am I hungry for God? What's wrong with me? If the Lord says, read 1 John, I've, I've read 1 John 300 times. What am I going to get out of 1 John again? So that's my head speaking. But I can read 1 John as the Holy Spirit leads me and show me things I've never seen before. But my head will go, but I, I, I can almost memorize it. What am I going to get out of it? Holy Spirit will show me the depth of his word. So we need to lead by example all the time. If I say to you, I've got, let's say I've got the actual mumps. Everybody knows what the mumps is. You call them the same thing. If I had the mumps in my body, that, that, that you know, viral, whatever it's called, and I tell you I've got the measles, doesn't matter how much I tell you I've got the measles, you're going to catch the mumps if you get close enough. Does that make sense? So it doesn't matter if I tell you I can speak the best powerful message on prayer. I could teach you on prayer and make you laugh, make it, make it humorous. It could be entertaining. It could be exciting. It could be wow. And yet if I don't live a life of prayer, I really believe I can't impart prayer. Same with holiness. I can teach on holiness, preach on holiness, stir you up about holiness. But if I don't live a life of holiness, I can't give you what I don't have. You actually catch what I have. Isn't that scary? The responsibility that we have. So if I talk about humility, it doesn't matter if it's the best message you've ever heard on humility. If I don't have humility, you can't get humility. I mean, you, you, know, you can have a bit of openness, but ultimately I'm going to give you what I've got. And that's true of you, the way you lead others. We lead by example. Amen? Number five is found in verse seven. And this is, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And this is an interesting one because Jesus has called us. I wrote down, we are called to shepherd sheep. So when it comes to the kingdom, we're called to shepherd sheep, not goats. So the, what I learn out of this is um, you can only disciple a disciple, uh, uh, someone that is a disciple, isn't it? You, in other words, you can only teach someone that's teachable. Someone that's humble, someone that's want to learn. If they want to learn, that means they're a disciple. The disciple word means you're a student, you're a pupil, you're a learner. So it's important for us as we lead others, we find those that actually want to learn, want to grow. And I think this is found in Zacchaeus when Jesus was walking the, you know, the streets of Jerusalem and Zacchaeus, a short man like me, must have been maybe as short as me or taller, smaller, smaller than me. But he couldn't see because of the crowd. He, he thinks, oh man, the crowd is so packed. If, even if Jesus walks past, I'm not going to be able to see anything. So he goes, I'm going to jump on a tree. I'm going to climb a sycamore tree. So hungry to see Jesus. So humble. He didn't care what he looked like. He's a tax collector. 
He's got a pretty high up job and he doesn't care about what people think about him. He climbs a tree to be able to see and view Jesus and Jesus could see that guy's hungry. That guy's thirsty. That guy's desperate to see me and know me. And so Jesus walks past and stops and says, Zacchaeus, word of knowledge. Today I'm going to be at your place. We're going to have dinner together. The guy's excited, jumps down, really excited to be with Jesus. And the Bible says, this is what the Bible says, Luke it's found in Luke, if you want to read it, chapter 19, verse 1 to 27. Read it for yourself. It says, the people said, ah, he's gone to be a guest with a tax collector. <laughs> I knew it. That's their attitude. He's gone to be a guest at a tax collector's home. Why? Because he's rich. He's got money. And it looks like he's going after money. It looks like he's going after someone that's a tax collector, a wealthy person. You know why there was other people that were pouring out poured down and out people. There would have been humble people. There would have been widowers. There would have been old people. There would have been people that he could have walked. I'm going to go to your place tonight. And he would have walked away in front of everybody. Everyone would have thought, oh, what a humble man of God. He's going to be guest of a real poor person. But if that poor person's not open to the word of God, he would have wasted his time. He knew if I spent time with Zacchaeus, because Zacchaeus was hungry and desperate, doesn't matter what it looked like for other people. He knew if I, pull, if I spend a whole night with you and we know the story, he says, I'll give half of what I belong to the poor. If I've stolen anything, I'll even give them four times back what I've stolen from them. He had a change of heart. Jesus knew if I spend time with him, I'm going to pour the kingdom into him. In that passage of scripture that I gave you, he, he uses a story exactly in this context. He goes, someone, a master gives um, miners out. One had one miner. He made it, he used it and made 10 out of them. The other one that had one miner, he used it. He, he put it to work. He made five out of them. The other one goes, Lord, I knew you were an astute man and hard man and everything. I knew that you sow where you don't reap. And I, I was so scared. I just put it under my bed. I just hid it. And Jesus says, you knew I was a hard man. I'll take you at your own words. You knew that I reap where I don't sow. You should have put it into the bank. At least I would have got my interest back. And know what the Lord does? He takes the one and he gives it to the one that had, has got ten. You know what they all said? They all said, ah, oh, why'd you take the one from the one that had only one and gave it to the ten? It's like it's not fair. doesn't sound fair, does it? Now that guy's got none. Oh, poor guy. But think about it for a second. What would happen if I took the four from the one that has ten and give it to the one that's got one? That sounds fair because now he's got five and he's got five. What's going to happen? Those five, give him another year. What's he going to do with the five? If he didn't do anything with the one, is he going to do anything with the five? He'll do nothing with a five and waste the kingdom of God. You take the one from the one that did nothing with it, give it to the one that made 10 out of one. What's he going to do with the one when you give him another one? He's going to give, make it another 10. That's the way the kingdom grows. It's the way Jesus thinks. He thinks, if you do nothing, you know, he who's faithful in the little is faithful over much. And if, if you're not faithful, he goes, I take away the very thing that you had. So to me, it, it speaks of pour your life into the people that are wanting to receive. When I first started the church, I had to learn this by accident a lot of times and by a lot of pain. And, and my heart is in the right place. But I remember, um, you know, because when you first start the church, no, there's nobody. And so no one wants to listen. I'm t I was 22 years old. I started the church at 22. Who's going to listen to me? And so I'd go at King's Cross, the roughest place in Sydney. There was prostitute, drug addicts. I mean, full-on place. We'd go there and preach the gospel in the street preaching and feed the poor and have vegetables and cook it on the streets and feed people and do our best to reach and connect people. 
And people, we got some people saved. We got some drug addicts saved. We got some heroin addicts saved. And, and alcoholics saved. And I remember these heroin addicts, we did our absolute best prayer. And we we're pouring time, effort, bringing them through cold turkey, you know, coming off drugs and everything. And, and, um, and one time, four of my leaders, about time, the church was about 30, 40 people. Four of my key leaders, strongest leaders, sat me down in their home. I'll never forget it. And they basically said, Leo, you're pouring your heart out with all these people. And they, they were actually were draining. They were sponges. They weren't changing. They fell back into heroin. And, and I was pouring my time, effort into them because they, they, they looked the most needy. It's like the squeaky wheel. The loud squeaky wheel gets the most attention. And, and they said, but we want to run with you guys, with you. We want to have vision, but you never speak to us. You never spend time with us. And they're basically trying to correct me, saying you're giving all your time to them. We want to have vision and direction. And I realized, and when I walked away, I felt so sorry for myself. I thought, don't they understand my heart? I'm pouring my heart out. I was all upset. I can't believe it. You know? I think I was crying. And then the Lord said to me, listen to what they're saying. And I, I heard the wisdom of God in it. Even though it hurt. So we've got to pour into people that are real sheep. And that's true of a, a company setting or a marketplace setting. Those that are teachable. You don't pour your whole life into someone that doesn't want to learn, doesn't want to grow. Very important. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says, And these things you have heard of me among many witnesses... The same commit you to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. So here it is. Paul is saying, what you've heard me tell you. He's talking to Timothy. So Paul must have received it from somebody. Paul received it from somebody else. Paul says, what I teach you, Timothy, teach to faithful men that are also be able to teach others. That's five levels of impartation. Someone gave it to Paul. Paul gave it to Timothy. Timothy says, commit to faithful men. Not just anyone, but faithful men. The Zacchaeuses of life. And they will teach others. Five levels of impartation. It's amazing. And that's why Jesus had the three, had the 12, had the 70, and so on. It makes sense. Number six, we're going to run out of time because I've got a few more, but I'm not going to get through it. Um, It's found in verse 9, and it says this, I am the door. If anyone enters me, he will be saved. The word saved is zozo. If you know the word zozo, it means freedom, deliverance, wholeness. It doesn't just mean saved from sin. It does mean saved from sin, but it means to be saved, to be made whole. If you're wounded emotionally, to be sozoed is to be made whole. If you're bound up in addiction and, and, and wrong mindsets and, and it brings in, you know, insecurities and all that, God wants you to be made whole. So I believe as a shepherd or as a leader, we need to make sure people find freedom, wholeness in God. It's very important. People are going to come hurt, wounded. We've got to make sure they find freedom in Jesus. And, and that's very important. I believe a shepherd's job before God, under God, is to help people find freedom. Get rid of the wolves and bring them into pasture. Amen? Number seven, I'm moving a bit quicker because I want you to get to this one. Verse nine is really, uh, yeah, it's found in verse nine. I am the door. If anyone enters me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Beautiful picture here. The shepherd's job is to make sure the sheep eat pasture. So this is feeding them the Word of God, right? And and in a marketplace setting, you interpret it. What does that mean? To to feed them, to make sure that they're they're made whole, to make sure they've got motivation, make sure they're fed spiritually. You can do that in the marketplace. I believe you can. I believe there's ways to give them vision, give them goals, give them direction, give them input. But but feeding them, to me, a shepherd leads sheep to 
a, a fresh green pasture. They eat it. When it's all gone, it's not going to leave them there. He has to take them to more fresh grass. And they've got to eat more. And he keeps them alive by doing that. So the shepherd makes sure the sheep are fed the Word of God. And that's what we're responsible to do. In connect groups, in everyday life, as a father or a mother to their children, as you, whoever you're leading, whoever you're discipling, you've got to make sure, are they getting fed the Word of God? Even in the context we're living now in our modern day life, I think there's ways that we could be creative is how do we make sure that our people are fed the Word of God? There's many ways. Sunday is a way, but there's many ways. As podcasts, as live streaming, there's, there's, there's books, there's making sure. You know, I, I feel people will find all sorts of teaching on the internet. You've got to be careful what you find out there because it's not all good. So why don't we let you know the, the right teaching? Mike and the eldership team will say, hey, listen to these guys. These guys are great. These are the guys that you should be listening to. These are the apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers that are true, authentic before God. And they've got fruit. They've got results. They've got real signs and wonders following. And fruit, impact for the kingdom. These are the guys you should listen to. But we need to feed. We're going to make sure we're getting fed. Amen? Well, I've run out of time. There are other ones like give life. The shepherd gives life. Jesus is a good shepherd. That means I think we should show the goodness of God, kindness, love, grace of God. Cares for the sheep. We've got to make sure care is taking place. I'm just giving them to you really quickly. And one of them that I think is really vital is authority. That we need to, a true shepherd, Jesus says, I have authority to lay down my life. I have authority to take it up again. So a true shepherd exercises authority. So shepherds have to exercise authority at times to protect the sheep from the wolves. Um, Paul says in Acts 20, when I get up and when I leave, ravenous wolves will rise up from among you. When I leave. That means while I'm around, they're not coming because I'll make sure they don't come. But when I leave, ravenous wolves will rise up from among you to bring disciples for themselves. So we, as elders, we've got to exercise godly authority to make sure the people are protected. Amen? I pray and trust this is helpful when I pray, if I can pray for you, all of us. Because I want you to take this word for yourself. Don't see it as, oh, that's good for the sheep, uh, the shepherds, or that's good for the leaders. We're all leaders. If you have a wife, you're called to lead your wife. If you have children, you're called to lead your children. If you're a teacher, you're called to lead the, children, the, the students you teach. If you're a, 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 an employee, if you've got any responsibility, you're going to be leading people as well. So can we pray? Father, we just want to say thank you for your word that gives us instruction. I pray that the word of God will go down deep into the foundation of the soils of our heart and of this church, Lord. That it will go far and wide, Lord, not just for today, but it will be implemented. It will be practiced. That, Father, this will, this will make families healthy. It will make marketplace leaders successful according to your word, Lord. We just thank you that it will help the church grow in every sphere of life, in every um, realm of authority that you've given us. We just thank you right now, Lord. Bless the families in this church. Let there be godly leadership, Lord. We just thank you. You've, you've modeled it, Jesus. You are the great model, the great leader, the one that leads by example, who laid down his life for us, who sacrificed his life for our sins. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence right now. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord. 
I just want to give people an opportunity today, just in case there's people in this room that have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Maybe you never understood what Jesus did for you, but he died for your sin. He paid the penalty for your sin so that we don't have to. He died in my place. He died in your place. God judged him as if he was a sinner so we could be forgiven. So if there's anybody here that's never made peace with God and you need to accept Jesus Christ, I just want to ask you to slip your hand up and say, Leah, could you please, please pray for me? I want to accept Jesus into my life as my Lord and my Savior. I need him in my life. I want to be a, 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 I want to be a Christian. I want to be a Jesus follower. Is anybody in this room that needs to make peace with God? Because I always want to give this opportunity. There could be people right now that need to say, God, forgive me for what I've done. And he forgives you freely. Is there anybody in this room that says yes to Jesus? Thank you, Father. We thank you for your goodness. And if you're, you're listening to this um, recording or watching it, you can accept Jesus no matter where you are. You can say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. It's a simple prayer. Say, Father God, forgive me for what I've done. I turn away from my sin. I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I open up the door of my heart. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me and wash me clean. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, he accepts you. Amen? Isn't God good? Tonight we're going to be um, teaching people on how to f- um, operate in the gifts of the Spirit, how to pray for people, and, and, and equip the believer to pray for people out in um, the streets, out, out in everyday life. So I believe the power of God isn't just to be demonstrated in church, but it's to be released um, every, everywhere because the power of God's on you. Amen? So tonight we're going to do that. Um, and if we, also, if it's okay with the elders here, we want to pray for people. If there's any people that have sickness or pain, if you've got pain in your bodies, God wants to heal you. He loves you so much. In the same way that Jesus died on the cross, he also bore our, sick, our, our disease, our sickness. All the disease and sickness of mankind was put upon Jesus when he died on that cross so that we are healed by his stripes. We were healed because he paid the penalty. Amen? So if you have arthritis, if you have back pain, if you have liver problems, heart conditions, God wants to touch you. To God, it's nothing. He he just touches you like that. He's the healer. Amen? All the ship here, ready to pray for people as well. Um, One thing we've learned in our church with, with the culture of supernatural is you've got to step out and be willing to make a mistake. If you make a mistake, it's fine. It's okay to make a mistake. It's better to try than not to try. Okay? And, and it's, we're in a safe place. So um, I was praying to God and asked God, say, God, what do you want to do? And I, I heard this. I don't know if it's for this morning or for tonight. I was asking for tonight, but um, is there a Meredith that comes to this church? Meredith. Okay. Anyone know a Meredith? Friend of a friend, you know a Meredith. I'm joking. <laughs> That's fine. I can get it wrong, but I'm just gonna. I'm gonna try. And maybe it was for tonight. And, um, you live on Meredith. That's good. <laughs> we can pray. So we're gonna, we're gonna, if we stand to our feet, maybe we just we, we just worship God for one moment. And um, 
We can close. We can close the meeting if you need to leave. And we're also going to pray for people if you need healing in any way, or maybe you just need an encouragement. You just need some leaders around you to pray for you, and just to speak encouragement and, and the word of God into your life. Thank you for having us, eh? If you can get uh, to the was it Buzz, the Buzz uh, coffee shop, I think it is tonight. We'd love to have you. Thank you.